You're listening to the weekly podcast of Hope Community Church, where we desire to see people transformed by the love of Christ. Join us as we study God's Word together. When we moved to Cleveland, not long after that, we were traveling and in this hotel, and somebody asked me, where you're from? I was just getting adjusted to being from here, but I said, no, I'm, I'm from Cleveland. He said, really, you, you west side or east side? Well, at the time, I was working in Middleburg Heights. I had no idea where that was. So I said, well, I don't know, does it matter? He looked at me like, you don't, you don't know, you, you're not from Cleveland. <laughs> we have a good brother from the east side that's here this morning uh, to share God's word with us. I say that jokingly, but with true sincerity. There's a lot of things that divide us, and there's only really one thing that's big enough to pull down all of that stuff, and it's Jesus. Dr. Ron Morrison uh, has been 23 years working in Maple Heights with his wife, Anita, doing all kinds of things, uh, planting the church. They have after-school programs, serving the community in just lots of delightful ways. And I invited him to come this morning and share God's word with us, but also just share from his heart. Uh, Sometimes when you're in the kingdom, you can kind of begin to think that the kingdom is here where you are, that this is the kingdom, but it's it's just huge. And God's doing stuff all over the place. So I just wanted you to hear from them this morning. And, And at the end, we want to talk about some ways that maybe we can... Uh, partner with them in the kingdom uh, going forward. Dr. Ron, you've probably heard him on Moody Radio, and you're thinking this is like one of the patriarchs of the faith, and it is. He's a a great brother, but I just got to tell you one other story before he comes. When my wife and I go to Columbus, we sneak to this restaurant that has muffins, they're only about four or 5,000 calories a piece, but they're some of the best muffins that you'll ever eat, but we don't want anybody to know that we're going. So the last time we went, we snuck in, and we got our table, we sat down, and we were muffining away, and I turned over, and there's my good brother Ron at the next table. He was just eating salad, though. Ron, <laughs> come on, brother. It's great to have you here. God bless you. Good morning, good morning. Well, since Pastor Joel brought that story up, um, my my bride is from Columbus, and so we're there frequently, so we do know the good spots to eat, but we were really surprised to see your your pastor there. Uh, (laughs) uh, He's good at dropping hints, too, because I I heard him say something about you guys had 46 minutes to sign up for something. That kind of let me know I better not preach that long, Um, so... (laughs) I'm, I'm going to try to keep this, uh, you know, like, like a Hollywood marriage. I won't keep you long. Uh, yeah. but, uh, speaking, of, speaking of marriage, my, my bride and I will celebrate 40 years this, this December. And, amen. So I, I have two things I want to share uh, with you guys who wonder how do you stay together 
that long. One is, one is advice you need to ignore, and the other is advice you need to embrace. Uh, first of all, you know, you hear a lot of negatives about marriage, so don't, don't believe when people say marriage is about three rings. The engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the sufferer ring. So don't, you know, just throw that out when you hear that. Okay? Uh, but you do embrace the theology, you tell your spouse, if you ever leave me, I'm coming with you. And that way, you, you get to stay together. So we're coming up on 40 years now. Uh, I am a lifelong uh, East Sider of Greater Cleveland, Glenville High School. I uh, love growing up in the city. And um, I, I grew up with a singular ambition, and that was to play professional baseball. We had a, a great team in high school. A number of us got invited to Pittsburgh Pirates tryout camp. and. So I thought I was that close to my, my dream coming true, but it's not what God wanted for me. Uh, next thing I know, I was uh, drafted into the Army in 1971, and the Vietnam War was going on, and I'm like, oh, life's about to just become catastrophic. And so I'm, uh, we got trained to go to Vietnam, but I, I didn't go. Uh, but I'm just reading my Bible every day, trying to make sense of why is everything going wrong, and uh, God got me through that season of life, came home and started working for Lincoln Electric in 1974 and just making good money. Lincoln was the highest paying factory in the nation, they told us. And I remember telling the Lord, I will never leave this job. <laughs> then I got saved. <clears throat> and God has a way of making you miserable when you're not doing what he wants you to do. And so as the years went by, the, the money didn't matter. I said, Lord, please get me out of here. So... I was actually taking distance learning courses from Moody Bible Institute while I was working for Lincoln. And uh, make a long story short, uh, it was the summer of 1995, and the Central District approached me about planting a church. My wife and I prayed, and uh, the plan was if you can get a core group together during the summer, we will finance a church plant for the fall. And I knew I could not work 50, 60 hours a week in a factory and get a core group together in three months. So we took a huge step of faith and, and left our job with no guarantee. Uh, but God is faithful. And by that fall, Hope Alliance Bible Church opened its doors and we're still standing and serving the Lord. And so all that to say, when God calls you to do something, just trust him and watch him work it out for you. Uh, we got a building in Maple Heights, uh, early 1997. We had about 40, 45 members at that time. There was a Slovenian home party center that was really closing its doors because the neighborhood had transitioned. And so we acquired some property. Uh, but there were three bars in there. The basement smelled like beer for months. But, but over the years, we've been making it look like a church and we've been serving the community in some incredible ways. Uh, people were leaving Maple Heights for a number of reasons. School system was underperforming. Um, just a lot of other dynamics. Uh, we had the highest percentage of single parent families. In the, it was higher than the national average. Uh, so there were a lot of things the community needed. And so we started to serve the community in creative ways, even formed a separate 501c3 for community development that we call Alliance for Family Hope. And so we felt called not just to a church, but to a community. Um, God's been so good to me. I've had a lot of opportunities. I could have 
gone other places and done other things. I've served our district and just about every committee and board that we have. I've been on our national board uh, for about 16 years. I've chaired the board. I've traveled the country. I've traveled the world. We even spent time in uh, Brazil with uh, your pastor's brother, Tim, and our missionaries there. Uh, I've, I've been a hardworking, determined guy. I was the oldest guy, oldest male in our graduating class at Alliance Theological Seminary. And oh, by the way, I, I love going to Nyack because I learned so much about your pastor when he was a college student. Uh, I'm sworn to secrecy as long as he takes me to lunch. Uh, but just, I, I didn't realize how famous he, he was, not just because of his brother and his dad, but he was a very well-known uh, young man on campus. I will, I will leave it at that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 14. And I want to share with you from the Word of God, from a message we've entitled, Choosing to Get Involved in the Battle. The lesson comes from the life of Abraham. I love learning lessons from Abraham, not because we went to school together, but uh, because he kept waiting faithfully for, for what God had promised to him and things that would really take a while to come to fruition. And when you're working in tough areas, things don't happen as quickly as you might like, but you've got to hold on to the promises of God and trust him for the outcome. Things may not happen all the way in your lifetime, but you just have to lay the foundation for what God is going to do to make his great name known. Genesis chapter 14, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to um, study your word together, to see what a great God you are. I pray that you would encourage these dear saints under the sound of my voice. I pray they would hear your voice as we walk through these scriptures together. I pray that you would bring forth a Christ-honoring response from each and every one of us uh, for our good, but most importantly, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Which battles do I get involved in as I serve in the community? As a follower of Christ, you're going to be continually faced with a lot of issues that you may be tempted to, to get involved in. If you're not careful, they'll draw you away from what you're really called to do. Um, some, some of the hot topic issues we hear today is, should I get involved in social justice issues? Well, what does that mean? Are you saying I should get involved in gay marriage? Should I get involved in police brutality issues? Should I get involved in, in other things, perhaps some things that aren't biblical? And so, okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure how you define social justice, but biblical justice, I have to be concerned. I have to get involved. Should I get involved in the educational needs in my community? Should I get involved in political needs in my community? What, what battles does God want me to get involved in? Should I be involved in racial reconciliation issues? Got to choose carefully. You could get pulled away from some things that may not be for you, but... I like to say, let's, let's set some issues aside and be more concerned about individuals. Be concerned about people. I, I don't agree with a lot of the issues people get involved with, but I do care about people because that's what God cares about. That's who he cares about. I want to suggest to you that you focus on people rather than the issues that stir up so much debate. 
I want you to focus on helping others get out of situations perhaps they should not be in. The issues are dividing the body of Christ. We need to rescue people and lead them to our Savior. I call your attention to Genesis 14. It just happens to be the first war mentioned in the Bible. I'm, I'm going to say Abraham throughout my message, even though we're at that point in Scripture before his name has been changed. God added that, that A-H in English, that Yah, that um, he added that to Abraham, and he added it to Sarah, and he's just he's bringing them into covenant relationship because of his great name. I'm just going to say Abraham because of the familiarity. And if you're looking at Genesis 14, you're probably saying, is this dude actually going to try to read and pronounce all those names? Well, I, I could, but since I'm racing the clock, I'm not going to. I'm just going to summarize what you see here in the early part of this chapter. So, so basically, you're, you're going to see some kings from areas that we would today identify as Iraq and Iran and, and Syria. And they're at war with some nations, smaller city-state nations, if you will, in the, the area of the Dead Sea. And the text says that for 12 years, uh, these city-state nations were subservient to these kings and countries in the areas of Iraq and Iran and Syria. And then it says in the 13th year, they rebelled. And so in the 14th year, these, these kings came marching down to, again, subjugate the nations that they had conquered. And everybody wanted to control that Jordan Valley area. It was the best way, the, the trade route, to go down towards Africa and back up to the other nations. And so everybody wanted that control. Well, Abraham's not living in that area, but Lot was. And so the text says these, these kings went to battle. And if you're looking in your Bible and you look down at verse uh, Genesis chapter 14, in verse 10, it says, The valley of Siddim was full of bitumen pits, or slime pits, if you will, asphalt kind of pits. Kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled there. They, they strategically chose to fight there because they thought it would give them home field advantage. Uh, I, I learned something every time I, I go to Pittsburgh to preach almost every year, and they remind me home field advantage doesn't mean anything if your team is no good. So uh, even though the kings of the area of Sodom and Gomorrah had home field advantage, they were still soundly defeated. And the text says, the enemy, it says, the enemy took, verse 11, all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah, all their provisions, and went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abraham's brother, who was living in Sodom, and his possession and went their way. Verse 13 says, Then one who had escaped came and told Abraham the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshkol, and of Anar. These were alleys of Abraham. Somebody escaped. Said, Abraham, your nephew, your kinsman, old King James, I think, said your brother Lot has been taken captive. My first point this morning is that you need to choose your battles carefully. 
Lot's been taken captive because he was in the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. Why was he in that area? You read Genesis 13 where Abraham and Sarah, they followed the call of God, came to the promised land, and then there was a, a famine in the land. And instead of trusting God, they went down to, to Egypt and one thing led to another, and Abraham feared for his life and said, Sarah, tell him you're not my wife, you're my sister, and you, you know the story. And um, God got them out of that, and they actually came out of Egypt with more possessions. And it said they had so many possessions that they could no longer live together. And so Abraham, being the mature giant, gave Lot the first choice. Lot should have deferred to Uncle Abe, but being the immature believer that he was, he chose what looked best went towards Sodom and Gomorrah. God told Abraham, look north, south, east, and west. All of this I'm going to give to you. And so Abraham's living up in Mamre and Lot's in Sodom. Lot gets taken captive. Abraham hears about it. What should he have done? I'll tell you what some believers do. Hmm, ain't my problem. That's what he gets for living in Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what he gets for not letting me choose first. I, why should I get involved? That's not my fight. Is that how you feel when you hear about somebody else that's in trouble? That's what they get for living on the east side of Cleveland. That's what they get for living in that neighborhood. No, this, why did Abraham choose to get involved? Because he said, this is my brother. I have to care. We're, we're connect. See, spiritual relationships are huge to, to the Lord. We, in Cleveland, we found about 118 different reasons we can separate. But at the end of the day, are we connected in Christ? Then we need to be there for each other. And oh, by the way, we also need to be there for those who aren't connected to Christ. Isn't that what it's all about, to, to go? As someone said, the church exists for the sake of those who don't yet belong to it, because we want to recruit them. We want to bring them in. So you got to choose your battles carefully, but if you sense God is pressing on your heart that this is a rescue I need to be involved with, then you need to saddle up and go. And that's exactly what Abraham is going to do. Like so many people, I went into ministry thinking, oh, I'm going to get to preach every Sunday. And teach a couple times a week, and life will be great. I, I love doing that. It's the other stuff that happens in between Sundays that can literally wear you out. One of the first ministry assignments God gave to Anita and I was to teach a Bible study in a drug and alcohol rehab facility. I've, I've never had a drink in my the, the strongest thing I've ever drank in my life was RC Cola. And so here I am teaching Bible study, the people talking about blackouts and just losing their families and everything because they couldn't stop drinking. I'm trying to wrap my mind around the power of these addictions. But you're helping people grow. And so you got these young believers coming and there was this one Caucasian lady and she was so excited about what she was learning. She'd come in and say, I, I read five poems last night. She meant Psalms. <laughs> So one, one night, Anita and I are in bed, and, and the phone rings, and it's, it's her. And she's in a bar in a 
at that time, a, a really strong Caucasian area that I would not frequent safely. And uh, she calls and says, I'm here with my boyfriend and I don't think I can get out. Can you come get us? Come get me. There are a lot of excuses I wanted to make. It was late, not my part of town. The Pharisee in me said, what if somebody sees Minister Morrison going into a bar this time of night? I, I had a, a long list of good excuses. Have, have you learned that God doesn't really care about excuses? Has anybody learned that? <laughs> when he puts it on your heart to do something, he just wants you to do it. And so Anita and I drove across town. She came out, and we were part of her rescue. There are just some battles you have to get involved in. It may not be convenient. It may not be convenient for you to go back and forth across town to work with your brothers and sisters, but that may be exactly what God wants you to do. I have some dear friends sitting there, Pete and Christopher Mika. They come across town to work together with us in our after-school program. Pete makes me come out to Rocky River at 7 in the morning on Wednesdays to be with the men's group. Only God could make me uh, agree to do something like that. But my brother and I worked together. We crossed town to work together for the sake of the kingdom. Krista uh, keeps everyone well-fed, and they tutored at our after-school program. When Christ puts something on your heart to do, you just do it. You get involved in certain battles. But along with choosing your battles carefully, you need to choose your battle plans prayerfully. I call your attention to the Word of God in Genesis 14. In verse 14, where the Word of God says, When Abraham heard that his kinsman, his brother, his nephew had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan, up in the north. He divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsman Lot with his possessions and the women and the people. Lot was taken captive. He couldn't ask for help. Somebody came and told Abraham, your nephew's taken captive. Abraham communes with the Lord and he gets involved in the battle. The, the text says he had 318 trained men. Now I remind you that earlier on in the chapter it mentioned these kings of nations who would come down to subjugate these five little city-state nations in the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. What, what's my point? Abraham had no military experience. He is going up against powerful leaders and their armies. What chance did he have? Beloved, when God is telling you to do something, you always have the enemy outnumbered. God gave him a plan to attack by night, divide their troops. They had some allies. And the text clearly said they, they defeated them, they chased them away, and they recaptured all 
that had been taken. It's amazing what God can do when you just say, okay, Lord, I'm going to get involved. It looks like we're outnumbered. It may look hopeless, but beloved, we're never outnumbered. We don't always see the forces that we have available. Remember Elisha and his servant, and when the servant thought they were outnumbered, and, and Elisha prayed that the Lord would open his servant's eyes, and he saw those chariots of fire, he saw the angelic hosts surrounding them. We always think we're outnumbered. No, we're not outnumbered. We've got the power of God on our side. And so they went after these leaders who had taken all these people captive and they brought them all back, the people and the possessions. God will show you how to fight. We had another incident in our, in our community back in the day when you know, they, they tell you, do these neighborhood surveys. Find out what the people around you want. So we're, we're out, we're distributing surveys. What do you want a church in your neighborhood to do? And so we're thinking they want us to do the things we're doing. You know, the after-school program, the drug and alcohol rehab, and, and some of the other things we're doing to make the community better. A lot of them said, can you do something about that drug house there on the corner? They're just problems, people in and out of there buying drugs and messing with the kids and I hadn't had a seminary class on that. But we had folks who believed in the power of prayer. And the next thing you know, I don't, I don't think it was a matter of a week or two, we, we looked up and all of those families, the drug house, all their belongings had been placed on the curb, they'd been evicted. And the neighbors gave us some credit for that. Gave us some good, it is just, there, there are things you don't know how to fix. But if you go to the Lord in prayer, he can get it done. That's how you make your community better. So here comes Abraham back with the people and the possessions. So he's chosen his battle carefully. He's chosen his battle plans prayerfully. And our last point as I continue to race the clock. <clears throat> See, we only have one service at our church. You know, I can, I can preach for an hour if I want to and... Your pastor said, how many minutes I got left? Eight, nine. <laughs> Choose your rewards wisely. Verse 17 says, after his return from the defeat of Kedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine he was priest of the Most High God. I want to pause there, because if you read this too fast, you, you miss the, the point. Abraham's defeated these kings. He's, he's coming back with the people and the goods, and it, it says the king of Sodom is coming out to meet him. This, this king who's seen his people taken from him, this king who had to run and, and hide as the people were taken He's lost everything, and now he's coming out to meet Abraham. And he's got an agenda. But all of a sudden, it says Melchizedek showed up before the king of Sodom could get to him. Well, who is Melchizedek? Well, people, scholars, go back and forth about who he was. He just mysteriously shows up. 
Uh, he's mentioned, I think, in Psalm 110, Hebrews 7, as a priest with no record of his beginning or ending. And so he's a type of Christ. Some people think he's a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. I believe he was literally a, a priest who served in Salem, which would be Jerusalem. He obviously knew Abraham's God. He, he comes out to meet Abraham, and, and notice he's bringing bread and wine. Here's our first picture of communion in the scripture. The king of Sodom is on the way to meet Abraham, but before he gets to him, Melchizedek gets to him. Melchizedek comes out with bread and wine to, if you will, commune with Abraham. And notice what he says to him. He said, blessed be Abraham by God most high, El Elyon, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. You just got to love God's timing. He's coming to Abraham to commune with him before the tempter can get to him. And he reminds Abraham, you've been blessed by God most high. And oh, by the way, he is the possessor of heaven and of earth. See, if we spent more time focusing on who God is and and what he has and, and what he has done, we wouldn't fall so quickly to some of the enemy's temptations. So he comes out and he, he communes with Abraham and he, he blesses him and he said, God has done this for you. He is God most high. He owns everything. He, he's, you've been blessed by him and you need to praise him because he's delivered your enemies into your hands. And then the text says, Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Instinctively, without any biblical mandate, without any law, Abraham, in response to this encounter with Melchizedek, gave a tithe. They tell us, in, on average, nationally, believers give 2 to 3% of their income to the church. It's funny, when it's time to file tax, the believers want to act like they gave a tithe, but they say most believers give 2 or 3%. I keep running into people and say, well, the Bible doesn't command New Testament believers to give a tithe, okay? But just show me anywhere in the Bible where anything less than a tithe is even in the conversation. Without command, Abraham gave a tithe. Without command, Jacob gave a tithe, so what, what's our problem? Maybe we don't realize who really is the possessor of heaven and earth, and we don't want to let go and invest in the kingdom because we think it's ours. Remember you were young and in church, and it was offering time, and the plate's coming, and you just pulled on mom and dad so they'd give you some money so you could put in the plate. Wasn't that fun? What's different now that it's in your checking account, in, in your wallet? Where, what happened to the joy? Pretend like you're still reaching in dad's pocket and mom's, because it's God's anyway, right? No, he did not bring me here to raise money. That, that's not in my notes. Okay. <laughs> Let me wrap this up. My time is almost gone. <laughs> but Abraham is reminded that God owns everything, and he instinctively gives a tithe to Melchizedek. And now, all of a sudden, verse 21, the king of Sodom actually shows up. It's a beautiful thing when you've communed with God before the enemy brings some mess your way. 
Verse 21 says, And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. Now, now wait a minute. Let, let me remind you that the king of Sodom has been soundly defeated. Let me remind you that all of his people have been taken captive. So where does he get the audacity to come and say, Good job, Abe. Keep all the wealth that you want. Let me have my people back. You know what Satan ultimately wants? People. He doesn't care how much money you make. He just wants the people back. As you serve the Lord and you, you go on these rescue missions, and, and he's just going to keep trying to get them back. We've got to win them to Christ. Don't get sidetracked about your paycheck. Don't get sidetracked about anything else. Focus on the souls of people for the Lord. Ignore the tactics of the enemy. He's going to try to sidetrack you. Yeah, keep, go over there. Make more money. Make more money. Make more money. Let me get the people back. That's what he wants. You see, Abraham is communed with the Lord before the enemy got to him. And so that's why he could boldly and confidently say in verse 22, Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord. I have taken an oath. I have made a vow. Notice he said, I don't want a, a thread or a shoe latcher from you. I don't want anything you have to offer. I don't want you to think that you made me rich. I refuse to get entangled with you in any way. That's what we need. To realize that my Lord has everything that I will ever need. I don't need to do anything illegal. I don't need to get entrapped in anything. I just need to stay connected with him and he'll take care of me. See, a lot of the folks, and, and I dare say not just the east side of Cleveland, but the west side and the north side and the south side don't realize that God is the one who can supply their every need. And so they keep getting entangled in stuff and the body of Christ has to go to the rescue and get them to the point like Abraham say, you know what, I don't need anything you have to offer me, Satan, because my God possesses heaven and earth. And if I serve him, I get everything that I need not only for this life, but throughout all eternity. I'll take nothing from you. Now the others, they're entitled to whatever they, they want, but Abraham said, I will take nothing you have to offer me. I don't want you saying that you made me rich. If you believe the Lord possesses heaven and earth and you belong to him, why settle for just earthly I close with this. Genesis chapter 15 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. I think this is the first time you see this statement, word of the Lord coming to somebody. He comes to Abraham in a vision and says, Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield. And the old King James says, And your exceedingly great reward. Don't be afraid. Now we can speculate what Abraham was afraid of. You read on, you know he's still concerned about God fulfilling the promise about his, his heirs. But I'm, I'm thinking too, if you just 
done this surprise attack against these mighty nations and, and their armies and, and chased them off. And you start thinking, well, what if they come back? You could be a little intimidated. Whatever it was, God reminds Abraham, he tells us, don't worry, fear not. Why? I am your shield. I'm going to protect you. I am your shield. Don't be afraid. There's some intimidating situations you might walk into in ministry. And, and sometimes you just have to remind yourself that God has said, don't be afraid. I am your shield. And your, not, not just reward, not just your great reward, I am your exceedingly great reward. Focus on the one who is your protector and he himself is your reward. See, sometimes as you consider what to get involved in, you may say, you know, that's, that's too much of a price for me to pay. I don't, the time, the sacrifice, the distance, and, you know, you can make all the excuses. I, I must confess when I I was excited about coming here to Hope today, and then I realized it's daylight savings time morning, and, and I am a night owl, and that's all the way across town, and early in the morning, and so I'm waking up in the middle of the night to come preach because my dear friend asked me to come. <laughs> Whatever you do for the Lord, you get more than rewarded, not only in this life, but in the life to come. The Lord God Almighty is our shield. He is our exceedingly great reward, and he wants us to work together to advance the kingdom for the glory of God. Let's see who he wants us to rescue and that he gets all the glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. We pray that God will use this message to draw you deeper into a meaningful relationship with Him. Hope Community Church is located in Olmstead Falls, Ohio. If you would like to find out more about our church, please visit us at hopeolmstead.org.